Hi there, and welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. At Redeemer, we are committed to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. And I hope that this podcast is just one more way that you connect to God's presence this week. At the beginning of this year, Adam Barnett shared five intentional areas of growth and focus for us as a church in 2021. We spent the last five weeks looking at prayer, and now it's time to dig deeper into the remaining four areas, fasting, reconciliation, mission, and fellowship. You know, we are all in different places in our spiritual lives, but none of us are done growing. No matter where you are, we all have one more step we can take and move forward from where we are. To begin our series, Adam Barnett explores the discipline of fasting and challenges us all to take one more step by sharing in the Lent season together. So here is week one of One More Step from Pastor Adam Barnett. Good morning, everybody. It is good to be with you in the presence of the Lord. Welcome to all of you right now with us online, wherever you are watching from. We love you and greet you. Uh, Go ahead and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58 in your Bibles or your electronic devices. I want to begin by sharing something that really encouraged me this week. Um, I had lunch with an amazing, an amazing young man. Uh, who's newer to our church, and I loved sitting and listening to him articulate his passion for discipleship, mission, and evangelism. He and his sweet bride have been married just a little over a year, and they're already plugged into our student ministry as small group leaders, our middle school ministry. And I asked him, what, what really made you uh, put down roots here so quickly? And he said, of course, Adam, it was, it's the preaching. And... Um, He didn't say that. He shared that when he and his wife came in the front doors of the church each week, other couples in our church and even a few of our senior adults had approached them and greeted them and extended a warm, kind, and loving welcome to them. Um, This young lady grew up in a church that values not only multiple generations, but multi generational ministry, the generations talking to each other, loving on one another. So I just want to say to any of you who expressed a warm, kind word of welcome to this new young couple, God has called them to this church, and in his small group two weeks ago, a young middle school boy gave his life to Jesus. Yeah, come on. And, well, his name's Connor. Hey, good morning, brother. Connor looked at that young man and said, hey, buddy, I'm excited to walk with you for the next six years and disciple you. I'm so thankful that you've been called to Redeemer, and I want to challenge all of us in this weird time with masks. It takes an extra second to recognize each other. Uh, And, of course, physical distancing. Take time to approach people that you see that you don't know, whether they've been here a couple of years or for the very first time and extend a warm word of welcome and let's help everybody find their place at Redeemer. Over the last five weeks, we have concentrated on a series called House of Prayer and on the 3rd of January, I got to kick off the year with vision, expressing our desire as a church to concentrate on five disciplines individually and corporately this year. And the fourth and fifth one, Mission and fellowship, 
are disciplines that I already believe are a strong part of our DNA as a church. We're incredibly missional and we love fellowship and community with one another, but a lot of those ministries have been paused during COVID. And so right now we're trying to figure out how do we get back engaged in mission and engaged in fellowship with one another. But the other three disciplines, prayer, fasting and reconciliation, calling our church to a deeper commitment to prayer, calling our church maybe to a new discipline of fasting and calling our church into conversation of reconciliation. And that if anybody thinks that reconciliation is not necessary right now and it's maybe all we've been talking about for the last month or year, that's the reason we're gonna focus on it. Because we maybe have done too much talking and we have failed to listen to one another. So after concentrating five weeks on prayer, today I'm starting a new series called One More Step, and that step is fasting. And then next week, one more step of reconciliation, and so on. And we have some exciting plans in this series to communicate these disciplines that we're focusing on this year, so please don't miss. Please be with us online, but if you have to miss, then please watch the archives. And then, after this series, all five of these disciplines will be present and interwoven into all of our ministries throughout this year. Today, my emphasis is fasting. And I know all of you are so excited about this sermon. In his book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster writes that the stomach, in many ways, is like a spoiled child. And a spoiled child does not need indulgence, but needs discipline. We live in a time of supersized meals. In fact, Jeff, our worship leader here, he and I went to Chick-fil-A this week together, and we ordered a supersized meal. We were at the wrong restaurant, but we just wanted it big. We wanted more. We live in a time of Route 44 drinks and five burgers for $5.99 and buy one, get one free. We get hungry, and when our appetite is not met, we get hangry. Our youngest daughter, Macy, was a baby with a little bit of a temper. When she had the slightest growl in her tummy, she would yell from across the house, Mama! Dada! Give me hot baba! In fact, I have a picture of her today enjoying a hot baba. And when she would finish her warm bottle of milk, we knew she was finished because she would sling it across the living room and it would bang against the wall or even the screen of the television. It was her way of saying, I'm finished with this bottle and adults, I'll let you know when I'm ready for the next round. But that really never goes away even into adulthood. We have stomachs that talk to us routinely and occasionally I hear someone dramatically exclaim, I am so starving. I've been to six of the world's top 10 poorest countries. And two of our four children have been adopted from the very poorest country in the world. Our adopted son, Andre, was five years old when he joined our family and he weighed 25 pounds when he came home. I've seen starvation. I've seen it in the poorest slums in both hemispheres. I've seen it everywhere, and I'm telling you that as people, 
We live in a land of excess and privilege and abundance, and we will likely never experience starvation. We get this little rumble in our tummy, and we panic. We will not experience starvation, most likely, in our lifetime. But I'm here to warn you that because we live in a land of excess and privilege and abundance, it is quite possible, if we're not careful, that we could experience spiritual starvation. I'll say that again. In this land of excess and plenty and privilege and abundance, if we're not careful, because everything we think we need is met by where we live and what we have, we can stop relying on God for our needs and we can experience a different kind of starvation and that's spiritual. But not all fasting has to do with food. So let's work with this definition today. Fasting is the deliberate abstinence from physical gratification for a greater spiritual goal. The deliberate abstinence from physical gratification for a greater spiritual goal. Deliberate abstinence, purposeful self-discipline, intentional self-denial. So it's not just food, it's not just nourishment, but any activity any involvement, any pursuit, any satisfaction that we long for in our lives for any duration of time, it sets the stage for God to appear. It invites God in in a new and supernatural way. In Isaiah chapter 58, the prophet redefined religion for the people of Israel. The people thought that they had to fast to impress God to demonstrate their level of deep devotion. So they continued on with their daily religious practices in the temple and they were putting on quite a show for God. Or at least they thought they were. They even complained to God that he was not noticing all of their good and righteous acts. Look at me, Lord, you're not taking notice of what I'm doing. So they fasted and they humbled themselves. But God had not noticed. So to summarize the first five verses of that chapter, God's divine answer to them is this. Your fasting, not only does it not impress me, but it's none of my business. You are the ones that are taking pleasure in it because of how it makes you feel. I don't take pleasure in it. You're fasting to me, but you're also exploiting your employees. You're fasting to me, but you're also letting people among you go hungry. You're fasting showing me this high level of devotion to me. However, you work some of your employees so hard that they don't even have time to come to the worship service. Keep on fasting, but I don't see it. You also end up quarreling and fighting when you're supposed to be worshiping me. So it's a beautiful picture of God calling out his people for being so proud of their humility so proud of their humility. So fasting is not about boosting our religious egos, but instead the kind of fasting that is pleasing to the Lord is right here in chapter 58, starting with verse six. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, 
and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves, listen to that, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. When we fast in a way that pleases the Lord, look at his response right here in this passage. He brings about a new beginning, like a new dawn. Some of you may be here today and you're ready for a new beginning in life. It says he heals our wounds, and the Hebrew word here for healing describes the image of new flesh growing over an old wound. He gives us the promise of security. It says that his glory will be our rear guard. He promises to be with us and that he hears us when we cry out for help. He loosens the bonds of wickedness and he promises to guide us and to satisfy us and strengthen us. So Isaiah 58 describes one of the reasons that we fast, to loose the bonds of injustice. To fast is to say to God, I want to be in partnership with you, Lord, to correct the injustices that surround me in this world. It embodies God's love for the poor. While Isaiah 58 was my text for today, let me quickly share four more reasons that a Christian ought to fast. Keeping in mind that when Jesus himself gave instructions to us about fasting, he didn't say, if you fast. He said, when. It's in a passage when he says, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. These are three non-negotiables for the Christian. We are people of prayer, we're people of generosity, and we fast. Jesus says, when you fast, not if. Now, he doesn't always say, or he doesn't also say, when you fast on the third Thursday of the month. Or when you fast this particular time or this particular duration or frequency, that's up to you and God, much like your prayer life. But when you fast, so this is an instruction and an expectation for every believer. To repeat, number one, we fast to loose the bonds of injustice. Number two, we fast to turn from our sin. Over and over again in Scripture, We see the people of God, we see Israel called to fast as a sign of repentance. When the Israelites recognized and acknowledged the magnitude of their sin and the magnitude of the grief that it caused their God, they couldn't even eat. That begs the question, how gross do we think our sin is? 
Because of grace, do we go on sinning all the more? Historically, the people of God fasted as a part of their repentance. God, I see your grief over my sin. I see how gross my defiance is to the principles that I see in your word, and I can't even eat. We see this in passages like Joel 2.12. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me. Turn from your sin and return to me, he says, with all your heart and with fasting and weeping and mourning. You guys okay? I'm talking about fasting and sin in the same sermon. Everybody okay? Number three, we fast as a plea for God to move. We see throughout the Bible that supplication and prayer were often accompanied by the act of fasting. And one of the most widely known occurrences is that of Hannah. Hannah wanted a baby, and she fasted. Some looked upon Hannah's barren condition as a sign of judgment from God, and she knew differently. So we read in the Bible that she went to the temple, she wept, she prayed, and she fasted. Now, keeping in mind what we preached about in our House of Prayer series is that when we bring a plea before the Lord, when we pray through petition and thanksgiving, we also pray with the posture of our heart that says, Lord, whatever I'm praying for, if you say no, and whatever I'm praying for, if you say not yet. No and not yet are as good as your yes, because your will be done here in my life on earth as it is in heaven. But yet we're still invited to fast and pray as a plea for God to move, and we know from Scripture that God did answer Hannah. Number four, we fast as an expression of grief. Instead of drowning in times of grief, drowning in our sorrows through food and through drink, the Christian can be sober and drink the pain of sickness. The Christian can be sober and drink the pain of death because we know to live is Christ but to die is gain. Yet we fast as an expression of grief. This theme is also found throughout the Bible and Christian tradition. We read in 1 Samuel 31 that the Israelites learned what had happened to Saul. They learned what had happened to Saul's sons and they fasted for seven days. One author describes grief as this. The purest example of what fasting is all about is a human being who is overwhelmed by the sacredness of a moment, choosing not to eat in order to sanctify his or her communion with God. And lastly, number five, we fast as a proclamation of hope. Here is the quiet joy of anticipation that every follower of Jesus Christ shares. We fast to demonstrate a deep yearning for the return of our King. We are living at a time when Christ has come. He has come, and so we get to feast. But he's all, we're also living at a time where he is yet to come, yet to return. So this is an era of feasting and fasting. So we live in the tension of the unfinished business of our master, Jesus. Christ has come. Let's feast Because Christ is with us at all times, but Christ is yet to come. So we should fast 
with anticipation for God to establish his kingdom on earth. Please hear me loud and clear. If you start to fast, you may not experience any immediate or noticeable benefits from fasting. In fact, the results of fasting, the progress in your life from fasting might be noticed in decades and not days. This is not a manipulative tool that we hold in our hand to pry out of our God what it is that we want him to do. It is a discipline that we practice because we want to say, God, we're so hungry for you. Not just with our hearts and not just with our souls, but also with our bodies. That I am spirit, mind, and body. You got to go read the writings of Paul and you're going to see, my friends, how important the body is. How important the body is in our reflection of praise and adoration and submission to God. So fasting is a discipline through which we exercise our hunger for God, not just with our hearts, but our bodies. Denying ourselves, expressing and confirming that we are ready to sacrifice anything for the kingdom of God. Even the things that we long for, the things we desire, the things that satisfy us. During this Lenten season, as we lead into Easter this year, I'm calling us all as a church to fast something. We will not all fast the same thing. But I'm calling you to fast something. I'm asking you to begin this fast this afternoon with food and television. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Relax. Enjoy the game. I'm asking you to begin your fast on Ash Wednesday. So you have 10 days, my friends, to prayerfully submit to God, what is it that you would have me fast in my life? Is it food? Is it television? Facebook? Video games? Conversations about politics? Or the news? Again, the duration is between you and the Holy Spirit. Let God prompt you, but make sure that it requires sacrifice, self-denial. Don't fast something that you don't like and don't already want in your life or not want in your life. Fast something that draws you deeper into dependence on God, something that creates more sacred time and sacred space in your life to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. If you do not currently fast food and that's not a part of your routine of discipline, you are not ready for a 10-day food fast. So don't come out of the gates hot and do something unhealthy for your body here. Like all disciplines, those of you who go to the gym, you're disciplined in training. Like all disciplines, like a muscle, spiritual disciplines take practice too. Fasting is going to take practice. If this is not a part of your current routine, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be legalistic here. The fact that you're engaging with this and giving this a try individually and corporately, I believe God is so thrilled. 
I believe God wants to do extraordinary things in your life and in this church. And he already is. But what if individually and collectively we came before him in the discipline not just of prayer, not just of generosity, but saying, God, we're going to fast too. For whatever reason I shared earlier, whatever's on your heart, we're saying yes to fasting. So you may not be ready for a five-day food fast, a 10-day food fast. If that's the case, just try giving up lunch every Monday. And instead of meeting with family or colleagues from lunch, close your office door, close your bedroom door, get on your knees and spend an hour in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Make time and space for God to move in your life. One thing our worship pastor Leanne has taught me, there's not a single moment and there's not a single space that is not sacred. Because God is always moving and God is always speaking. Do the Daniel fast throughout Lent. Fast television on the weekends. And if I say Daniel fast and you're unfamiliar with that because fasting is not widely talked about and discussed in the church, we're going to put resources on our website this week and in our weekly newsletter as well. Additional resources for further education. For example, a food fast if you are pregnant or nursing or diabetic or on certain medications can be problematic. So we're not legalistic here saying everybody's going to fast this at the same time. We're saying fast something and let God put that on your heart what it is. Take some time if this is a foreign discipline to you. Take some time to research it on your own this week. Keep in mind when it comes to fasting that our motivations must be genuine and pure. If you are fasting from snacks or ice cream or wine, because you want to lose weight, that's not a fast. That's a diet. If you fast television because you want to get more projects done around the house, that's not a fast. That's proper time management. If you're fasting Facebook because you want to spend more time with your children, that's not a fast. That's being a good parent. If you are fasting from unnecessary expenses because you want to take out some of your debt, that's not a fast. That's financial stewardship. God sees our motives here. So be wise in how you submit this season and this discipline to him. Kids, students, I invite you into this too. Talk with your parents about this. Let this season be one of learning and growing in your relationship with God. We've been teeing up our kids, preparing them for impact. But we want to grow not only as a church family, but as individual families. Kids, you may not tell your, your parents. You guys hear me? You cannot tell your parents you're fasting from homework or chores or vegetables just because the pastor told you to fast something. For all of us, whatever we fast, let it be from a place of self-denial and it's gonna be difficult. Fasting is difficult. I'm convinced if you are not feeling it, you are not fasting it. If you're not feeling it, you're not fasting it. But when you are fasting, on the most difficult days and then those difficult moments, remember you are actually feasting. Yes, you're fasting something, but you're also feasting. You're feasting on the things of God. And enjoy that feast. 
So you might be sitting here thinking, I don't know what to fast. I could give up TV, that would be easy. I don't even eat sweets, that's easy. So what should I fast, what should I fast? I think I know what will help, simply speak this prayer to the Lord. Holy Spirit, reveal to me if something controls me. Reveal to me if there's anything in my life that controls me. Nothing should control us other than the power of the Holy Spirit. So I invite all of you now to bow your heads. And let's take a moment to actually pray that prayer together. And let's listen for the Lord. I'm going to be quiet for a moment. I invite you to go ahead and pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, reveal to me if something controls me. And see if God brings something to your mind. Lord, if you are revealing to any of us something in our lives that has control over us, give us the courage, give us the discipline to fast from those things, to deny our flesh in order to attain a greater spiritual goal. We entrust this season of fasting into your care, Lord, and believe that chains will break and doors will open, lives will be changed forever because of how you promise to move when your people pray and fast. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.